You're listening to And welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is episode 55. We are now in week two of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. Um, we just had Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, my name is Marvin Yue, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Jew. Hello, Jess. everyone. How's it going? Um, a- API Heritage Month is almost is half over, about a little less. And, you know, in on the 30th, we all just poof and disappear. So I'm excited about that. Now, Jess, did your dog son do anything for you for Mother's Day? My dog? I usually get a card from him, but it's been a little busy, <laughs> so I'm not upset. And I just had a lot of, you know, my birthday was recently, so got a lot of, like, love from that. So I have a res- reservoir of attention that, so I'm fine. I'm fine. Great. Chowder, step it up. <laughs> Chowder, like, did not destroy anything this week or did not pee in the house. So that's, like, present enough for me. <laughs> the, the real gift is being his mother. Also joining us, professional culture editor Han Wen. Hey, Han. Hello. Did any of your cat children do anything for you? Cats well, don't do shit. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you're the first person to ask that about cats. And I was like, no one else asked me that. And I, was, I think they realized, you know, that dogs would get a card for their moms if they could. Um, but like cats would never. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, once again, hope all the moms out there had a happy, happy Mother's Day. Um, moms, the number one audience of this podcast, apparently. <laughs> Are they really? Is that what the demographic research says? Not my mom, and I would never (laughs) let my mom listen to this because, yeah, she just wouldn't be able to look me in the eye. We are at the age where, like, (laughs) most of my female friends are moms now, and it's kind of distressing. Oh no, no. I mean, I'm of the age that I should have children if I were going to have children, (laughs) and you know, I definitely have friends of my age who have kids who are like in their teens now, and it's really disturbing. My friends are starting to talk about it and seriously like pursue that, and I'm just like, ooh, like, oh no, no, wait, just that's the wrong reaction. It's not a uh oh anymore. (laughs) It's a congratulations, or I'm so happy for you. So like, I gotta remember that. Yeah, uh, Han and I both have uh, quite a few years on Jess, so um, I'm at the point where my Instagram has become post about moms to post about kids. Yeah, is the first is the first event you're going post pandemic or like post you know vaccination a child's birthday party because I know some people who like that is their first major event and like they're they're ready they're ready to get lit. Whatever that means at a one-year-old's birthday you know, party. I'm at the point where my friend's kids' birthday parties are no longer for the parents. And so I oh, no longer look wow. forward to them. You old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you stop buying like fun gifts also, that's when the kids get too old. It's like they like, just want cash. Yeah. If it's you're going like, to get them a gift, just get them they, cash. They used to be excited to see you. And then now it's just like, oh, that's embarrassing. So, yeah. Yeah. Got it. I've aged out of that. I wonder if there's like a whole generation of kids who like are seeing the outdoors for the first time ever. Yeah, um, my I wonder about that because my um, I have some nieces and one of them was old enough that she went to either kindergarten or first grade where she was kind of owning the school, which I thought was weird because I was like, where'd you get that kid? Um, But then her younger sister definitely didn't get to 
quite that. I think maybe she went to preschool. Um, so whenever they emerge from this pandemic, that will be kind of, uh, especially for the younger daughter, she's going to be very, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like she's kind of shyer anyway. So I'm wondering. How I have seen do. some like videos on TikTok where like people with toddlers, their toddler will just wipe everything down with oh. like a piece of paper, um, oh. you know, desanitizing shit. I was like, God, I hope you're you know, they say toddlers are resilient. Well, let's hope you remember none of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it all depends, too, because I have a friend who she is uh, a germaphobe and constantly cleans. Um, but it's good because she's also the one who has like 13 cats. So um, her that's, kids that's help. too many cats. Well, she's 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 a rescuer, <laughs> but she also is a foster failure sometimes. Um, but the thing is, because she constantly cleans, you literally can't tell cats are there unless you actually see them walk by because you can't smell anything like she's she's like when she's talking to you, she's sweeping, she's wiping, she's doing whatever. You know what? So. That's a good intersection of habits and interests. So good for her. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. Whereas I'm I might as well live in a barn. So <laughs> like I leave my door open. Dust comes in. <laughs> oh, everything I own has like chowder's hair on it. Yeah. And chowder's habit like he loves he he seeks clean clothing and will sleep on it i don't know specifically clean like piles of clean clothing which i'm like is it fresh from the dryer not always he just will know he will just know which one's clean and just like Uh, that's my pillow now like oh okay my sure i have one cat that's the opposite she likes it when it stinks because it smells like me you would think so, right? Nope, nope. This bitch just likes it clean. And, you know, I own a lot of black clothing, too. Gets everywhere. Um, it is. And I have, like, a really good vacuum, which was my Christmas present. I will ask you about that. So uh, the Dyson? Off- offline. It is the Dyson. That thing, that thing so, slaps. That is, see, like, it's the amazing. Most... You I know that. you're old as fuck when you're like, yeah, fucking vacuum cleaner. Yeah, but like it really is amazing. But then you will just never feel clean again because you can vacuum mm-hmm. all you want. And it's just so powerful. It will always continually suck up dust you didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. I love that vacuum cleaner because I can carry it around like a Ghostbusters pack. You could do one hand. Yeah, I did a whole like action <laughs> movie slogan like like another one bites the dust uh, 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 you know uh, i went from arnold schwarzenegger to the count there sorry but it's great you could do one-handed which is like opens up a whole nother level of like places you never want to vacuum before because it's too hard to get the vacuum and you're like let's try vacuuming that you know you got the cobwebs <laughs> up on the roof it's it's great it's a game changer. it makes vacuuming yeah. really fun <laughs> Uh, that's been our uh, our our vacuum cleaner review minute, uh, brought to you by the Good Pop Culture Club. <laughs> Sorry, we are definitely. not paid or endorsed by Dyson. We would love to. Dyson hit us up. Happy to, uh, you know, have you have a sponsor, and we'd be very happy to say how much it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Wah, wah. Well, on this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club, we're talking all about the new CW series Kung Fu. Or Gong Fu, if you are Chinese. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. Um, Jess, you've been chomping at the bit to talk about this. So uh, I'm going to let you go first. What's popping, Jess? I started the journey that is Love Island, UK. And I was told by, there are many people in my life, Han included, who has told me to watch this. And specifically told me to start with season three, which I have. And I believe season three took place in like 2017. 
And I still, I'm not done with the season because they have like 50 <laughs> episodes, which is insane. But I don't understand how this is a real show. It's endlessly entertaining, but it is really like, I don't know if you've seen The Lobster with Colin Farrell <laughs> and Rachel Weisz a few years ago, where basically if you don't couple up, you get turned into an animal and shot. It's it's very much like that. You don't get shot, but you do get voted off the island, which is very sad. And then the winner gets money. So like the winning couple gets money. And it's just like oddly entertaining and entrancing, but equally like horrific in its like sexual gender politics. And I cannot stop watching, but I also can only handle one or two episodes per day because I mean, I hindsight is 2020. I too was once very young and dumb and horny. And, you know, had I looked like that as a 20 year old, I probably would have acted similarly, but it's really funny to see these like literal 20 year olds, teenagers, right? Legal adults, but teenagers really like discuss the happenings of the villa because they live on the villa. Um, Like it's like world politics when really it's just like, do you fancy her? Yeah, yeah. She's she's proper fit. You know, the birds proper fit. Uh, The sling UK sling is fantastic. Want to start enveloping that into my daily life. Um, some great, great terms. Melts. I think that's like, like their version of simp. Um, and then there's crack. <laughs> do you have crack? You know, you know, do you, can you, can you proper chat, proper chat, proper chat, uh, which is like, and they all insist like, you know, it's not really about looks. It's about, you know, do we, do we get get along and do we have proper chat? And I'm like, bitch, it's all about looks. Like, come on, they're all hot. And like, everyone's all, always wearing a bikini or like swim trunks. And it's so funny because they're only wearing like these skimpy outfits. They have to con- constantly wear like the mic belt, the mic pack belts. Mm-hmm. So it's just great. Like all things so idiosyncratic, <laughs> very entertaining. Um, there's a lot of, Hooking up, it's a little creepy how invasive the cameras are because people just like fuck on camera under the sheets, but they'll like fuck on camera and the camera will just show it. I'm like, oh, wow. I I gotta tell you, you're only on season three, but just wait. (laughs) Oh my God, it gets like more insane. Because, okay, so when you're talking about them fucking on camera, that's the hideaway. So they're private and they're a couple. But you know how the rest of them all share one room? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I forgot. This this show is so batshit crazy. I forgot that point. <laughs> all They all share a bedroom. There's like, there's like six beds in the bedroom, like double beds. And you are basically coupled up with somebody. So you have to share a bed with them. Yeah, whether and you know you, like, them or don't not. Know them. You may not know them. Um, and I'm just like, what? That and then like they're making out or like they're doing it. Cause like Amber and Kim just did it in the room. They were not in the hideaway. So like people can hear you making out. And if you've ever shared a college dorm room, you know mm-hmm. you can hear that shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just like, ooh, like, oh my God, this is so nasty, <laughs> but really entertaining. <laughs> I feel like this is a type of show that I will never watch, but I will be perfectly happy watching it vicariously through your reactions. So so the wonderful thing about this also is 
you know, you already watch for weddings and a funeral, the TV series. Love Chalet. It's Love I, Chalet I get that so much more now. <laughs> yes. Like I under it's, it was funny already without the context. And now I'm just like, Love Chalet actually seems less crazy than Love Island. Yeah. Um, and, and, oh, and the wildest part, Marvin, I got so curious. I had to look this up. People actually fucking end up married and having kids from this show. Like they stay together after the show. Wow. Only some of them. I, some I, of them, not all of them, but like still one. It was already more than I expected. Yeah, I, I do have to say, once you finish a season, it's always exciting then to then Google to see where are they now, especially since your season's behind. But I usually don't do it until afterwards because otherwise I might have a sense of like dread <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, and another one uh, besides for weddings and funeral, Euphoria mentions love island because uh that main character like also binges it and kind of like goes into a stupor watching it so wow it's it's so wild. it really does kind of feel like you're watching an episode of black mirror and oh man it's wild i i mean props to the producers who came up with this ridiculous formula it works it's probably the purest escapism that i indulge in yeah all right han what's popping with you All right. Maybe less randy, but still kind of fun. Um, I happen to read two books, but actually as audiobooks, and I actually very much recommend people listen to them as audiobooks for uh, reasons that I will explain. But the two books are One to Watch by Kate Stamen London and The X Talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon. And the reason why is because both of them do feature uh, lead white females, but they have some really hot Asian love interests in them. <laughs> so, uh, so the first one, one to watch, is basically um, kind of like um, a plus size um, fashion blogger named B. She gets to be on a bachelor sort of clone show, which is called Main Squeeze, and she's like the first plus size um, Main Squeeze in history. And so, of course, you know, there's a lot of uh, support, yet also horrible like bullying online, um, which is like sort of vicious, but also maybe didn't even go far enough. Um, and so you kind of see all of her suitors and describing them and how she, you know, insisted that she wanted, you know, suitors of all types. So that meant um, very uh, diverse, not just in looks, but also in um, ethnicity. And so this is how we also get an Asian Jewish guy named Asher Chang Reitman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, I know a lot of mixed race people yes. who are Jewish and Asian, actually. Yes. And the thing is, I, you know, what I like about it is that it's not done in any sort of fetishy way. You know, that is just who he is. And they, you know, they describe he has kids, too. But I was just like all into him. And I was like, I, I honestly just want to spin off of him. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give away anything about the ending. But because this is a setup as a reality show, um you do get to do that chance of, you know, go Asian like we do. Um, and the, one of the reasons why I say that, like, I prefer the audiobook for this is because um, they have a very, they're very, you know, plugged into the media world. So they actually have um, podcasts discussing Main Squeeze, which is hilarious because their sponsorships are hilarious. The, the, they really get the banter down and, um, and how, they bend over backwards to get those sponsorships to kind of make make sense. 
in that context. <laughs> we um, love it. So it's great. So this one, I have to say, is probably funnier and a lot sweeter. There are other um, inclusive characters in there that I won't give away. Um, but it's also maybe not that hot just because, you know, there's too many guys. So I don't know. Anyway. Um, and then with the X talk, this is actually set you know, with public radio. So this is what, like, I'm assuming our listeners, all whatever, 10 of our moms, um, like public radio and or podcasts. So basically this uh, Jewish woman named Shay has been at the Seattle public radio station for 10 years. All of a sudden, this hotshot reporter named Dominic Yoon comes in. He's actually five years her junior. So I was like, oh, go go for her. Um, and... uh and he has a master's in journalism that he, he talks about all the time. So they're both like kind of like frenemies at first because like he's intimidated because she has so much experience and she's intimidated because he's a journalist um, and she's a producer. But apparently when the, you know, the public ratio station is failing, uh, as many of them do, they kind of do a Hail Mary, like, let's do a new show and like, let's do a dating show that hasn't really been done that much with exes. The only thing is, you know, there are no exes that they know of right away. So the president of the company is like, well, you guys kind of are at each other's throats. So let's kind of make this a story that you are exes. And, you know, your jobs are on the line because otherwise everyone gets fired. So um, they do a fake relationship, which I very much enjoy. I always enjoy it. <laughs> is that but your they, favorite wait, wait. trope? It's my favorite trope. So this is, trope. this is fake relationships, but fake ex relationships? Fake ex relationship hmm. and super great banter because they're on a podcast and so it's an ex relationships but they're like still friends because obviously they're doing a podcast together so that's the story they're giving um and then uh they this is also very plugged into media so you hear all about the hashtags and all about people commenting on their radio voices and how they you know like i want them to get back together so they're shipping them <laughs> um it's it's just it's just very good this one is i would say on um it's definitely hotter than one to watch so hey. on a on a scale of like <laughs> one to helen huang i would say it's like a six so <laughs> this sounds like a like mid-2000s era like rom-com that would like star i don't know Catherine heigl or something yeah i i could see that and honestly i would love this to be made like i would love, love both of these to be made into like a very solid rom-com movie um i thought they were really good just like additions just, they're solid and they were also very funny and that's the problem is like a lot of rom-com books aren't actually funny to me. Um, whereas I thought these were pretty well written. So, yes. Yeah. Um, you can go Asian for both of them. <laughs> All right, Marvin. How about you? What's popping? All right. Um, it's been another busy week for APAM. So I haven't really had a chance to watch anything new um, besides Kung Fu, which we'll be talking about later on. Um, I have been keeping up with my like weekly anime viewings i'm still watching 86 they had a really great episode this past week where they introduced their sci-fi horror aspects to the show which is still a great adaptation if you're into like prestige anime you should check it out and streaming on Crunchyroll. um another thing i guess it's popping because i was just watching the green knight trailer over and over this morning um yeah speaking of anglophile and british stuff um the new death patel a24 joint that's coming out this summer the Green Knight, which was supposed to release last year at South by Southwest, um, but had to be delayed because of COVID. Um, they just dropped their new trailer, which gave you a better sense of like the cinematography, like the artistic, like 
themes and like vibes of the movie. And man, that thing looks really like it looks artsy. It looks kind of you know slow, deliberately paced, but also looks amazing. And just like I don't know, Death Patel as Sir Gawain is something. Even if it turns out to be kind of like a slow burn, I I want to see this movie. I mean, it looks trippy and fantastical, and I don't know what the hell is going on, and there's a fox, and I'm really into the fox. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm definitely into Dev Patel, but also Dev Patel with long hair, just like Ooh, with David Copperfield. Dev Patel, like, just like night clothes, like he's a little mm-hmm. dirty. Like, Dev Patel, d- definitely one of those like men who like the dirtier he gets, like the physically dirtier <laughs> he gets, like the, the dirtier he gets. Um, that vibe. Yeah, and it's been like a few decades since I read king arthur stories for high school which even then it was super dense to get through because it was like translated from like middle english or something yeah but who's reading like original text you read the smutty like <laughs> ya ad- adaptation or like the feminist like new york times best-selling adaptation or you read like the fanfic sexy adaptation <laughs> you know actually the only other adaptation that i've seen is probably the disney one which i guess it's not very because king arthur is pretty like that shit's fucked up like that that's those stories are pretty like yeah the the original arthurian stuff i hate so much even as a kid i was just like (laughs) god i hate you know i hate like really tragic love triangles and that's the ultimate and then everyone's just being nightly and like going after so i was just like who cares about a grail you know um (laughs) but i also grew up with monty python and the holy grail so that's a lot of my arthurian like you know uh, touchstones right there um but yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, for those of you who are unaware, <laughs> literally the story starts, Arthur is conceived as a product of rape. Like, that's a bad. fun time. And it only gets weirder and more incesty from there. So you've been warned. Don't know how much of that they're going to bring into this text, but I do want him to smooch a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking forward to, I'm sure we'll be covering the Green Knight as it comes along. Sounds like, sounds like something is right up our alley. Hopefully we can get screeners at some point. Yes, A24, we are here. (laughs) Um, And I I guess to wrap up this week's What's Poppin', let's check in with our Go Asian segment. Um, Last week was Top Chef episode, was it eight? Six, six. Top Chef episode six. Um, We had some good Go go Asian moments there. Um, The quick fire was a mushroom challenge, which I love because I love mushrooms. And the elimination challenge was in indigenous cuisines challenge, which was really interesting. It, uh, you know, this season of Top Chef is really going hard at like uplifting traditionally marginalized or overlooked communities, and it was really cool to see them like highlight the indigenous cultures in in the Portland area. Yeah, I really like this challenge and how they gave shine to you know they gave the context of the food as well. It wasn't just like cook it. I I, I like it when they. I like when the chefs learn. They tend to get really inspired too when they have these like field trips. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course, the Asians. They yeah. did pretty good. <laughs> the winner of this challenge was Shoda and Sarah, who has the distinction of being the one white person left on the in the <laughs> competition that I don't hate. Um, although she is probably <laughs> the only one left now, huh? Yeah. You're not wrong, Marvin. Yeah. Well, Shoda and Shara won the challenge with a smoked smelt crusted rabbit loin, smoked smelt, and kombucha squash puree and pickled smelt. So, I love uh, all the smelt. A lot of smelt. Small fish, small game. And, Tiny and, fish. <laughs> and I really loved how they like surprised all the indigenous guests with like a different way to prepare this fish that's been part of their, their natural cuisine, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. 
It was very yeah. wholesome. Um, I also I do laugh, and I <laughs> I know Padma has talked about this in interviews, but like the product placement in this show is always really funny. Like, <laughs> um, and this challenge, the the mushroom challenge was a little ridiculous, and that like we're gonna make you cook on a stump. Oh yeah. <laughs> so here's some bullion cubes. Like not the most like organically integrated challenge but um the stump was hilarious because that was so <laughs> random and then the stumps were of different heights so the people who were at different heights had to figure out if they were like going to crouch over or one person actually kneeled to use it not a problem yeah for our but boy then Shoto, Shoto was like Shoto. no I'm sure so it's I fine. got this <laughs> yeah a short king uh-huh. well we're still two for three in our Asians none of our Asian boys went home this week and next week, we might get one back because uh, Jamie was in the running for Last Chance Kitchen. So we'll see. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking about the CW series Kung Fu. Stick around. <sighs> Kathy? Kim? Steve? Where have you been? We haven't seen you for seven years. Has has it been that long? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I was on a fishing boat. Training. It's part of the plan. What training? What plan? The the third season of the Korean Drama Podcast! Okay, we're doing this again? Okay, there's no body switching in this one, right? No! The only thing we're switching is the fact that we're going to watch a good drama this time from 2020 called Itaewon Class. A story about starting a restaurant and a dish that Koreans love called Revenge. I thought you were going to say kimchi jjigae. I thought you were going to say juk. Those two. Koreans love those two. Listen to the Korean Drama Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Kung Fu is an action-adventure TV series on The CW, reimagined from the infamous 1970s television series of the same name, um, Kung Fu starring the notorious non-Asian David Carradine. Um, The new Kung Fu takes place in modern-day San Francisco, where Vicky Shen, a Chinese-American woman, returns to America after spending three years in a Chinese temple, escaping from her overbearing mother's expectations. She's back after her temple burns down and her master is murdered, And the show follows her as she reconnects with her estranged family and protects her community from crime and corruption while hunting down her master's killer. Kung Fu stars Olivia Liang as Nikki Shen, Tang Ken Hua, Tai Ma, John Prasida, and Shannon Deng as her family, and Eddie Liu as Henry the Love Interest. Eddie! (laughs) Eddie, A.K.A. Steve from Poor Dumb (laughs) Steve from Never Have I Ever. Yeah, I'm so happy to see him. All right, so what do we think about Kung Fu? All right. So it's a CW show. And I think, uh, as we know, that there's a kind of a, a very pretty and ease, ease to it. Um, a lot of CW shows now are very superhero based. Uh, most of them are DC shows. So I kind of felt this fit right in as far as a genre show goes. Um, there is a lot of action, but then there's a lot of like also gazing at people. 
<laughs> so much gazing. Yes. Like, you know, it's like just in case you didn't know what you were supposed to feel, the, the camera will tell you. Um, so for that reason, it's, it's like maybe not like exactly a show for me, but I still enjoyed it. Um, we've already mentioned Eddie and he's just so fantastic on it. Um, and I really enjoy sort of the chemistry he has with uh, with Olivia. And like they do the flirting thing on camera, but they also carry this into real life, like on social media for fun. So it's very <laughs> enjoyable just to watch them like have that interaction. Um, and I also just like personally, I don't really care about the whole track down my Shifu's uh, <laughs> killer sort of thing or the lore or any of that type of stuff. Um but I like that actually the personal interactions because maybe it's a fantasy world for me, but they talk to each other way more than my family does. Oh, <laughs> going in. Okay. But it's kind of like sweet. And every now and then I'm just like, oh, I, I, I wish we could have that sort of like breakthrough. <laughs> so, yeah. So are you saying the most unrealistic part of this entire <laughs> series about mystical weapons, kung fu, and like vengeful like powers is um, the fact that this Asian American family talks to each other so much? Number one, yes, they're very in touch with their feelings. And then number two, um, there was a thing where uh, someone got, uh, what's, what, what's that, the Black Lives Matter um, protest and they got Oh, they got maced in the eyes or something? And then they're like, oh, quick, get the milk. And I was like, they have milk in the Chinese restaurant? (laughs) I actually, I can't say shit. I actually have milk in my house, so. Yeah, in your house. Yeah, but like you bake a lot. So that's why I was like, in a Chinese restaurant. Maybe they got condensed milk because condensed milk is a Uh, must-have. No, you know, if you're going to do like, you're going to do like that, like seafood bake sauce kind of a thing you got you know because you have the more legit menu and then you have like the more like american menu because so you have two menus <laughs> i have no clue i i feel like Shh, they're probably the secret <laughs> i feel like they probably have a really good like menu there i would like to try it out though i mean besides the <laughs> yeah i mean funny that we all zeroed in on eddie as like the person that we <laughs> we love the most on this show but he is really exuding like he was already one of the show stealers on um, Never Have I Ever um, back last year. And this year, when as a like a leading man, like he is really like his chemistry with Olivia is really, really good. And, you know, we're halfway through. The, are we halfway through the season? We're five episodes into the season. And it's like the show couldn't wait to get these two together because they're already they're already smooching on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me sad because that means they're not endgame. Um, you know, that's how <laughs> CW shows work. You don't give people the. Unless, unless you run into like 10 seasons and you have to come back like Gossip Girl style. Um, but no, I really love the chemistry of the cast, both as the family and the love interests. And I honestly think like Shannon as uh, Althea, the sister, and John Presida playing um, her brother. I forgot his name. Ryan. Sorry. Ryan. They're it's it's great like i i haven't seen a sibling relationship centered project in a while um and that's always a really fun dynamic and uh i just i i love the fact that it's just really refreshing to see everyone be asian right like (laughs) althea's fiance is asian like their friends are you know asian or in the case of like joey who um the brother is dating or having a flirtation with right it's just like it's an it's this world where like except Gavin, the, her ex, <laughs> like, we're like, you know, like, 
it's not centered around white people. And that is still really, really rare in t- TV today. What I also like is because it's on the CW, they follow the tradition of shows like um, Arrow and um, Riverdale, where they have a lot of shirtless guys. Yes. Is, is that a tradition? I'm, I'm not a oh, connoisseur yeah. of CW shows. I didn't even watch it back when it was like Riverdale, WB. Riverdale is insane about that, like to the point where it's like kind of known. <laughs> We love it. Equal opportunity. Yeah, I mean, so the show itself, it's pretty cheesy, but then I guess that's just a CW show, right? Like, I, I fully admit that I am either too old or too... too Cynical? Yeah, to really <laughs> um, get into that aspect of it. But I do agree that the as someone who is a fan of genre fiction, you no know, science fiction, fantasy, the Asian mysticism storyline doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, I wonder if that is for the white people. Like I I I that maybe that's the part the reason why that sort of turns me off the most. Um, because it's like that just yeah. feels like it's shoehorned into me. Oh well, yeah, because it's like a story about like, oh, like ancient Chinese secret, eight mystical weapons that you must collect to fight like you mean you don't even know what you're fighting it's just ancient chinese societies that are defend like and these like mystical weapons with magic and it just it's i don't know if it's just the world building is not there yet or i just find it hard to hard to really get into that storyline when the family drama stuff is way more strong right now and maybe that's just part of like they're building up to it but i have it feels like i'm watching two different shows sometimes right one is like a show about a family with like some like crime fighting in the middle. And the other is like, oh, this world spanning search for ancient weapons. I, I feel like it sort of just goes with the territory. Like I, I kind of agree. Like I like the family stuff or the interpersonal interactions better, like with the romances and stuff. But um, I, I kind of just take it as this is what you get if you need a show where people are fighting um, martial arts all the time. Like you either have a Cobra Kai where everyone's yeah. angry at each other and having warring yeah. factions or warrior, which is the same thing, which is warring factions or this one where it's basically like <laughs> besides fighting crime, but there's also like mystical Asian stuff going I on. I guess, so. but there's already the, there's already like the social justice, like crime of the week that <laughs> Nikki solving with her Kung Fu. And that could have been the show too. Like, I don't think we needed the mysticism part. I but, mean, I think it's a much older model that people are actually not used to anymore because to to sustain 22 network episodes, you actually kind of do need both, right? You need a procedural or problem of the week or whatever of the week. And then you usually have some overarching thing to get people to come back week after week. And that's just not something where we see with, you know, eight episode runs. Um, and I do like the fact that it's at least somewhat contextualizing martial arts kung fu back to its purpose you know like why are we giving cobra kai such leeway when it's just utter pure like fantastical it's just as fantastical bullshit as like eight (laughs) magical weapons right but like the root of kung fu as our like like legit cultural heritage is it is about helping people and defending people and defending your community and that's why you know, back in the 70s, it spoke so highly to people outside even just the Asian communities. You know, there's a, there's a lot of theory and media r- cultural writing about why, like, Black Americans relate so heavily on Kung Fu, you know, related so closely and intimately to Kung Fu values and Kung Fu aesthetic, Wu-Tang Clan, you know, for example. 
And it is very much that idea of like, you are kind of an underdog. You are really strong, but you use that strength to only in defense or to like help other people. And I think the show is trying to do that or trying to say that. I don't know if it gets all the way there because again, CW show, you got to have some kind of sexy dudes taking off their shirt. I will say. I do enjoy that every episode begins with a sexy, sweaty fight between Olivia and Eddie. It's sparring. They're keeping each other limber and... and uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they are. And, and sharp because otherwise they'll just... Their muscles will atrophy. The bad guys will, 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 will be able that, to overpower them. You sound them. like an... Speaking of mothers, you sound like an Asian mother justifying like why her child is like spending so oh, much yeah, they're time. Just, oh, he's his, just a friend. They're just friends. He's just a friend. <laughs> I mean, Though I will yeah. say the whole like wacky doodle like mystical plotline, it does bring into the mix Yvonne Chaplin's character Zilan, and I will say this: I am looking respectfully. Yes, <laughs> she's great. She's just like very attractive, and I am looking Look, respectfully. Yeah, and she wear it gets to wear a dark lip. You know, love it. Yeah, I think that's like. 20% of why it works or maybe because I'm just like less straight than I initially thought I was. Um, yes, but my, okay. I feel like I'm just nitpicking. A lot. I, I enjoyed the series. I, I will keep watching it because it's fun. And it's like the only Asian family we have on TV now, right? Like we lost our for now. Families. Yes. Um, but the one thing, I think this is just like me as like a Chinese American person who can understand Mandarin Chinese is all the people that are supposed to be speaking Chinese <laughs> is obviously like second generation or or more like everyone has like an ABC accent and <laughs> it is a little um, jarring because they're not supposed to. Uh, no wait. one can tell Marvin. You gotta. <laughs> so wait, wait. Are you saying the characters who aren't allowed, let's say they're supposed <laughs> to be from, you know, the old country or whatever, they have ABC accents? Because uh, of course I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point. Like, people who don't know, it sounds fine. It sounds like they're speaking Chinese. But, like, to people who, to people like me and Jess who, like, are fluent, and not to say we can speak better, because I'm prob- I'll am i probably speak at the same level as some of these characters, but, like, you can tell I that am they're... very, I will go on the record, I think this, like, need to fucking speak fluent whatever <laughs> accent work is bullshit, because we don't ask other races to have this level of like fluency or like, like, I don't give a shit. You know, we already get ding. The conversation is already so like the casting conversation is already so like annoying because they're, we're expected to bring all these skills on the table that like our white counterparts are not being asked to bring and or given the opportunity to learn like for the job but then so you know what if your chinese sucks like i don't give a shit don't don't learn anymore unless someone pays you to do unless if you don't want to like but get that money (laughs) (laughs) oh i I have to say i i am looking forward to whenever there is a vietnamese show where i can listen to their accents and be critical you mean cobra um, kai wasn't good enough what what Vietnamese is that? <laughs> when they get to the uh, when they get to the um, John, what's what's the oh guy? Oh my god, Vietnam! Oh my his, god, his Vietnam flashbacks like that that didn't that wasn't enough for you. Apparently, I blacked that out until you mentioned it. To me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the moment they went with a Vietnam War storyline, Tan was like, "What happened? No, what what? Rejection. What? It's been three weeks. What happened? <laughs> it was about as it was about as good as I expected it to be. So yeah, yeah. oh. 
But on the other hand, um, I really enjoyed the fact that we have like we've talked a lot about how Taiman is like the ultimate Asian dad. But I like how this series brings together like it's like the Asian parent dream team, right? You have the farewell dad with the crazy rich Asian's mom. Yes, and it, we love it. I am ashamed to say that it took me a while to figure out that she was Rachel's mom from Crazy Rich Asians. Asian card revoked, Marvin. Please <laughs> hand it in. Please hand it in. How many times did you watch that movie, sir? So many times. Probably like how did you five not or six. see? I will say the you know if we're gonna do weird nitpicks. If you are hung up on accents, the one thing I'm hung up about though I understand why because it's TV and you want it to look pretty. I'm like, what middle class Asian families dressing like this on the daily? Like <laughs> Ty would be in some like free T-shirt that you know Althea got in high school. Kang's character would be in some form of like puffy jacket fleece vest combo like no one would be wearing like anything matching inside the house we would not be wearing real clothes inside the house it'd be like chill wear uh, and like oh yeah sorry also i have to say that house is insane that for house San Francisco. is ridiculous that is like a three million dollar house in the bay area and no working class family who owns a <laughs> restaurant is going to be living in that house Unless you somehow, even like the ones who I know grandfathered in, like their families have been there before San Francisco got really expensive. Like the houses are not that quite that big, you know, to be living in Chinatown proper. Did, um, like, did they inherit some gold that like, you know, one of their ancestors just kind of hid somewhere? Because it's like, <laughs> I couldn't figure that it's, one out. It's what the television execs call aspirational television. <laughs> yes. And I understand like, you know, drop aspirational you need to look you want to look nice and i'm glad that the family you know they get to get dressed up and look good but i'm just like we know that you know they'd be wearing slides with socks at work yeah i i I do have to say when it comes to the aspirational um clothing most of the high fashion stuff i don't care for i actually really enjoy the knitwear that um althea's character uh and nikki wear which are like dolman sleeve like gold yellow um sweaters and some of them have like uh embroidery or stuff on it and i was just like okay i i can dig that especially when you're in san francisco um where like summer is chilly right um so i i, I kind of enjoyed that because i don't think i see enough like sweaters i guess unless it's <laughs> so unless pro, it's like, pro on the knitwear yes, pro on the yes. knitwear we love it we love it what do you guys think about because this is something that i didn't piece together until a couple episodes in but like it is a procedural show like every week there is some sort of like problem nikki solves with her kung fu and her tenaciousness and for this show it seems like they're zeroing on like social issues right like the first episode she solves like organized crime um there's one episode where she solves a labor issue like um in this last episode episode five um they deal with black lives matter and as much as like the way they deal with it is very like cw kind of like what's the right word it's very like teen soapy yeah i was actually really impressed that they a they went ahead with that storyline b like like they handled it pretty well i thought especially in the context of like not only black lives matter but also um, anti-asian hate yeah what other show could even do this at this point right like bring together the threads of you know increase of anti-asian hate crimes and like police brutality black lives matter and you know how we're all kind of victims of white supremacy uh yeah i don't know what other show could do this and they were pretty i don't want to say brave that might be giving it a little too much credit but i appreciated how they showed how you know the mom and dad 
characters who are of a different generation reacted differently than say Nikki, Althea, and Ryan. God, I don't. I, John is so good. Ryan. He's just John. <laughs> Ryan. Um, yeah, because I don't know about you, but I spent most of the episode kind of like bracing myself for how this will, like how for like how they will inevitably like let me down or how they handle this this um the issue and it turned out to be okay i guess yeah i think on the one hand i you know i do understand that this was a fictional character um who got offed that and that's why the protest was happening on the show so that part kind of still disturbed me um, but at the same time, it's very much a reflection of exactly what's going on, like every single day. Um, so that's why I was kind of like, okay, I, I guess that's all right. I, I, I still feel slightly uncomfortable with that. But, um, but I, yeah, I was impressed with how it didn't just do one point, because I think that could have been very easily done, which is like, you made your point, okay, moving on. But no, they kind of like, like layered on a whole bunch of like ways that people are dealing with it and like layering it on top of each other. So definitely my focus was on the parents. And when you're saying like, you're looking, you know, maybe bracing yourself to be disappointed because I was like, honestly, that would be my life. Or I don't know if (laughs) I don't want to speak for you, but like my parents would disappoint me in this probably instance. Oh yes. So definitely a fast track timeline. Cause like I, just got to a point where I can like talk to my mother about this without like rage exploding after maybe like we've been having this com- a form of this conversation for the last like eight years, you know. So they condensed them like one episode, which is the fantasy element, yeah. I would say. Um, but you know, some of those reactions are very true, like oh, mm-hmm. like being more upset about vandalism mm-hmm. than you know someone losing their life, literally you know, not yeah. wanting trouble. That idea of like don't cause trouble. Yeah. Um. You know whether you know the the tension of someone who decides to go out and protest. I had that very exact conversation mm-hmm. with my parents last year when I went to go protest. Like, yeah, it was pretty well done in the context of the format and the media. Yeah. Liter- literally. Yeah. I think we've all had these conversations. Like literally after George George Floyd, you know that whole incident. My mom was like, blah 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 blah. The the looting and the protesting and the vandalism. And I was like, but they killed a person. So I was yeah. just like, this is a person's <laughs> life. And, this, and it was kind of like deja vu when I was watching this. It's like, yeah, but mom, this person's dead. You know? So I was just like, ah, so I give them credit. And this is one of the reasons why I say like, maybe the tone of the show isn't perfectly for me, but I could see myself making my mom watch this and she would kind of appreciate in general the show. And even if like a tiny bit of that gotten, got to her, I would say it's a win. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our last question, as always. Um, is Kung Fu good pop? So for those reasons I just said, yes. Um, I could see a lot of audiences really vibing with the show because it is a little gentler. Um, yet it's still, I'm very happy that it has the messages. And I could see my mom watching this um, and just being kind of amazed just to see all of these Asian faces. Uh, it, it's also, I haven't watched a CW show since both Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend got canceled because those are perhaps the ones that deal a little slightly deeper issues. <laughs> but um, I, I do have to say, I think this could be a good like I, I'll let episodes collect 
um, and binge watch them. And, you know, it'll be my thing, like when I need to kind of keep my hands busy, fold laundry, whatever. And then it'll be like good, good TV that way. Yeah, I agree with Han. You know, they're holding it down for now until more projects shows hopefully join them. Um, you know, there we are getting a season two. So that is awesome. And I think we this is one of those rare chances where our shows shows with like Asian leads are given the time to mature and find their footing. Um, so I do expect it to grow more over the next few episodes, the rest of the season and the next season. And like, just think about all the shows shows just sometimes just take more time. You know, they just need time to find <laughs> themselves and considering that, like, I can actually watch the CW show and I can't watch all CW shows as much as I, you know, respect <laughs> everyone working on it. It's just not for me. Like, I'm almost 30, guys. It's, it's, it's not for me, um, says the woman who watches Love Island. Um, <laughs> Love Island is for everyone of your over 18. Yes. Uh, so, so I think it's good pop. I think it's, it's a vehicle in which we can do stories like that. Black Lives Matter protests, vandalism episode in a way that no other show can do right now. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good pop. Yeah. And also like, you know, full disclaimer, I'm friends with a lot of the cast. I want them to be employed. <laughs> so yes, good pop. Yeah. Um, I also think it's good pop, especially for the culture. Um, like we mentioned right now, it is the show that's holding it down for like Asian American representation. And I do like the way that it's um, handling its episodic storylines. Um, the chemistry between the actors are all really good. Um, I really enjoy Eddie and Olivia's um, chemistry and I really hope they are end game. I hope they're just, you know, let's just keep them fluffy from now on. No, no problems. Even though he has like a CD past. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but also like, think about like, you know, if they break up, we might be able to get some other hot <laughs> Asian dudes in the mix. Like, yeah, let's yeah. bring them all. There's, we know so many hot Asian dude actors. Like, she should. Part me, it's just like she should be dating one every week. Like, let's make that part <laughs> of her character. Let's get a Sudarso brother in there. Let's get him to take off his shirt. Yeah, you know, like missed opportunity here, CW. Let's get Desmond in there. Let's get all these hot Asian dudes and have like a shirt off, off. Yeah, yeah. Can there be a gang? This is my pitch: gang <laughs> in Chinatown of just hot Asian guys who take off their shirts like make that happen that'd be awesome uh i'm still coming around to the mysticism storyline um i'm interested to see how it will converge because, because at some point the the main storyline and the you know the mysticism like overarching storyline is going to converge and we're going to have to deal with that like in a more um i guess um prominent level in the show and so i don't i'm wondering how that will be Knowing how, or guessing how CW shows go, I do hope that there is a redemption arc for big baddie, look hot lady, um, <laughs> so she can like join their team, and then like maybe Olivia and her can just like fall in love instead. Yeah, I mean, part of the storyline is that these artifacts that they're chasing, these magical weapons, have been like bought on the art market, which, as we've mentioned before on this podcast is the result of like colonialism and imperialism, right? Yeah. The stolen artifacts. So maybe, maybe I'll come around if the ultimate bad guy is um like a like Sotheby's like head auction guy <laughs> or whatever the, yeah. the CW version of Sotheby's is like Butherbees or something. 
And like, there's really like an evil British white man at the mastermind, so they must defeat him. Yeah, I could buy that. Make it happen. Yeah. Make it so. Free advice to our friends writing in the writer's room of Kung Fu. You're welcome, <laughs> CW execs. I also would love it if they embrace some of like their, their actual humor because there's a moment where there's like, wait, you killed your own sister? And she's like, I told you my family was difficult. I was just like, wow, you weren't kidding. So hmm. I, I kind of like it if, if they embrace some of the more ridiculous aspects also. Yeah. Well, Kung Fu was airing now on the CW on Wednesdays at 8, I want to say. And you can you. also catch it on the CW app, which is what I did. What is it called? The Seed? The CW Seed? There's two. So there's a CW app that you can get on like any of your Roku's or whatever. And then if you just want to watch on any other tablet device, then it's CW Seed. S-E-E-D. Yeah, check it out. It's already got second season, but you know, the more eyeballs on it, the more successful it'll be. So um, we, we want to support this show because... It's the only one we have right now, right? Yeah. I mean, also, <laughs> C- C- I-, I do have to say, the CW is completely free, even if for even the app. So, like, they make it easy for you to watch. And yes, it's the only one right now we have. But also, <laughs> like, it's gotten its second season. So, it's like already it's a success and it will just build on. Like, I, f- I foresee other ones. Yeah. yeah. The more likely we get more seasons of this show, the more likely we'll get more hot dudes on this show for Jess. Do it for Jess. Do it for me. And, you know, like, I think I I don't think people realize, like, the opportunities like this can create in front of and behind the camera. Like, yeah, we're going to have to meet more characters, right? That's more jobs for Asian actors, potentially. That's more opportunities for people to direct. That's more writing room positions on a network show. Like, that you, and we never know where those kernels go. So, like, yes, please support the show. <laughs> we want it. We want more. And I want more hot guys, Asian hot guys, just taking off their shirt. And women, please. they they won't be able to take off their shirts necessarily unless they're in sports bras. But you know, like, we can be equal opportunity. Yes, I want to see more of Yvonne Chapman. She doesn't have to take <laughs> off her shirt because, again, I'm looking respectfully. But I would like to stare at her face a bit more. <laughs> All right. Um, that'll do it for our discussion of Kung Fu on the CW. Uh, Jess Han, thank you so much for joining me once again. If people want to follow your thoughts on social media, where can they go? I'm on Twitter at JustJudeTweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can follow me on Twitter at Marvin Yue. You can follow the show at Good Pop Club and check out our past episodes by going to the website GoodPop.club. Uh, Good Pop is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts that we are a member of. Uh, you can check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Good Pop. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, 
representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallspruce.com. Peace. Peace. Peace.